Welcome to Storyboard. I'm Lars. I'm Meg. We talk about overlooked movies and TV, and we pitch movies we want to see right now. Today we're going to chat about what we've been watching lately, discuss some of our favorite wintertime films, pitch the worst film we can think of, and as a little palate cleanser, we're going to divulge the movie characters we find the most crush-worthy. Pull up a chair. Lars, Meg, what have you been watching? Okay, I'll tell you everything. Well, actually, I'll just get right into it. I saw Fermat's Room, which was... Okay, so I've been going through... <laughs> Filmstruck is... By the time this airs, it's probably It'll be done. Yeah. So I've been watching movies like crazy. So I watched Fermat's Room, which is a Spanish film from like 10 years ago. And instead of like science fiction, it's like math fiction. And so oh, it's a... Fermat's, like, Fermat's Enigma, right? Yeah, I Fermat's guess. Theorem. I don't know. But sure. <laughs> and, so, and so it was like these four scientists or mathematicians were called to this room to like do kind of like a, an escape room for math- mathematicians game. I guess that's the thing. That's a and, deeply and specific they, escape yeah, room. Yeah, you know, you know that old chestnut. And they're in a room and like every time they, they get this like uh, question through a cell phone and every time they get it wrong, like the, the room keeps moving in. It's like it, it's a hydraulic presses wow. or something. And it keeps like moving and getting smaller and smaller. And then they finally have to realize like, why are we all in here and stuff? So I don't know. I kind of, oh, I yeah. kind of enjoyed it. And, oh, I saw Stepping Out from 1991. It has Liza Minnelli is the teacher of an amateur tap dancing class in Buffalo, New York. It's Sold. so cute. <laughs> it's so, like, made for TV. I mean, it had to have right. been, like, for Canadian television or something right. because it's yeah. too cute. Liza Minnelli, what can she do? Teach tap. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's great. Yeah. Um, I mean, some parts are a little cloying, and it's fine. And then also, so last one I'll mention is, because there's so many more, but I just got to get to it. Anyway, uh, Crossing <laughs> Delancey. Which is we could I want to really get into someday about my hatred of gerund titles. Yes. Yeah, I do not you like have them. mentioned this to me. Yes, we'll have, have a conversation. Offline. Yeah, exactly. So, Crossing Delancey, nineteen eighty-eight. So it's Amy Irving is a a young uh, Jewish woman. That's important to the story. I'm not just saying it. A young Jewish woman that works at a bookstore um, in New York, and she's sort of hobnobbing with authors, and she's trying to like figure out like dating, and like she dates this like guy that makes pickles, and that's kind of a whole thing. Anyways, oh, and uh, the most important part is David Hyde Pierce is also. <gasps> the bookstore and oh, so it was just yes. like a breath of fresh air to I see am him also in sold based on yeah. his name alone yeah so um yeah it was cute it was like again it was really a like a made for tv movie with like music that was just like oh sweetie you know yeah. um but yeah so david Hyde pierce makes it you know worth the price of he makes any he makes any tv show or film in my opinion completely right. sitting here yes. with my fraser phone case <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not a biased audience at all well how about you so Update on two shows that I mentioned wanting to watch or liking. Uh, could not finish Sabrina, The Chilling Adventure of Sabrina. It was real, real bad. It was a rough one. Basically, it's spooky Riverdale, but mm. minus Cheryl, who is the best character on Riverdale, in my opinion. And that's so. a dark mauve lipstick girl. Yes. I just think of that, I guess, grandma lipstick. That's 
literally the reason I stopped watching. I'm <laughs> not even not kidding. Look at, could not look at that I lipstick. I couldn't look at her face. And not the woman, the actress is beautiful and great, but like that, that lipstick character. with her hair. It's like, that oh, tone is not right. No, for I your, love it. Your autumnal tones. And that's, oh, she's great. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, I'll, I'll give Sabrina it a some, well, I mean, eh, Riverdale's not really good either. So. I want it to be good. Like, I, I know what I want it to be, and I don't think it's, it's ever going to be that. Okay. Yeah, the writers are not. And the writers on Chilling Adventures of Rena are equally not quite um, pulling it all together. Mm-hmm. And then The Haunting of Hill House, I really liked up until about oh. the last 1.5 to 2 episodes. When and they it just, shit the bed. <laughs> it really dissolved into a Hallmark movie. Yeah, I love you, Mike I... Flanagan, but I'm going to blame Netflix for that. I feel yeah. like it felt as though the writers got some kind of feedback that audiences would uh-huh. not understand what was going yeah. on if they had to wrap it all up. But real, yeah. I can't recommend it. Yeah. yeah, I like to call that like the lost conundrum or the David Lindelof yeah. or whatever his name is. Wait, Damon Lindelof effect where it's like you build up this mystery so much and everyone's like, oh boy, I just can't wait for that last episode or two. They're going to explain the yeah. mystery. And they're like, oh boy, we've really written ourselves into a corner. So we're just going to shit the bed and just here's, uh, sure. Yeah, just end. schmaltz our way out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, those, so we just had to update, update everybody. I, know. I that was Those a were, yeah, that was I a loved the first eight episodes. Yes, yeah. and then um, it just yeah. devolved. It just unraveled. I also, I will not be uh, talking about Suspiria on this episode. <laughs> this episode <laughs> oh, but no, Suspiria Bowl. We're sure to do a when no yeah, one cares about the movie anymore. <laughs> yeah, when it's way past. But um, as a palate cleanser, I came home and revisited a bunch of Giallo movies. So. So is um, it Giallo? Wait, have we talked about Giallo, this? Giallo, Giallo. I know, because I it's like it a, Johnny Versace, so I kept wanting to put a G on it, but like, no, I guess it would be kind of a J. The linguistic, okay. yeah, the linguistic okay. sort of, or phonetic spelling was like the D and then that little weird Z, so oh, it's okay. like the J. Oh, yeah. okay. Um, Giallo mm-hmm. movies. So rewatched Bird of the Crystal Plumage, mm-hmm. which I think is like such such an incredible Argento film. I mean, I like Argento's films more than uh, some of the other guys because mm-hmm. i also watched for the first time your vice is a locked room yeah. and only i have the key the yeah, martino it's a great, movie I mean, this is the best title of all time it's I love a it. great title yeah. but what a Ooh. piece of trash <laughs> Just, i remember it and it's basically one big content warning i mean everything horrible happens in it there's abuse uh-huh. and rape and um God. violence against women there's I mean, animal every... violence it's really <laughs> everything it's like, a, well, it's like that's every jolly movie then because that's yeah. like oh a woman's no but like stabbed but really really like leaning into it mm. in a really vicious horrible way Way. Um, mm. Anyway, that was that sucked. But then we rewatched Deep Red and Tenabre, and they were great. Oh so yeah, I'm I'm just an You're Argento. Like, right. I'm an Argento <laughs> fangirl. And then we have started watching Columbo. I've been wanting to check yes. that out. So okay. I grew up uh, watching it with my grandmother, mm. but didn't really take it in. Mm. It was just sort of ambient, yeah, <laughs> ambient grandma detective show. <laughs> yeah. And then I read a Twitter thread by. The host of the podcast, All Units, who I think is a film critic, I'm not sure. His name's Sean McTiernan, I believe. And it was just a thread about how amazing Columbo is. And just from the screenshots alone, it was just like peak, incredible, beautiful Mm. 70s cinematography and lighting and even the story arcs. And I thought, you know what? I love, first of all, I'm like the world's biggest monk fan. So (laughs) why wouldn't I I watch a show Falk? I do, right? love, Peter okay, I do Falk. love Peter yeah, Falk. Yeah, Peter Falk is from yeah, Peter Falk and stuff. Yeah. I love him. So starting with episode one, we're watching Columbo, and so far it's great. Okay. I think you'd love it. Okay, where are you watching it? 
So on. Netflix pulled it, so it's on YouTube currently. Okay. Or DVDs so from the library. So just like clever Googling kind of thing. Yes. Okay. Today, we are going to talk about some of our favorite winter and holiday-themed movies. We're talking old-timey snowshoes that look like tennis rackets. Figure skating. People getting stabbed by falling icicles. Even bigger sweaters. Weird snow ice cream that's just milk and sugar. Oh, I've done that. (laughs) So, Downhill Racer, 1969. Michael Ritchie is a director from the 70s that did, like, let's see, Bad News Bears and, stay with me, Fletch. Oh, sorry. (laughs) But he did, um, like, Prime Cut, which I actually really like. Um, So this was his first movie. It's got Robert Redford, who's playing sort of an amalgamation of different, like, um, skiers from the time, I guess, like Spider Savage, who was, uh, side note, murdered by uh, Andy Williams' uh, wife or something? They were lovers? What? I don't know. There's a whole... It's a story. That's the movie I want. That's I another movie. I haven't seen movie. that movie. Um, I mean, it's not quite that. So basically, he just plays like a selfish dick that wants to be an amazing skier. I don't know skiing, so like Olympic level, I guess. Um, it's just basically like gorgeous, like skiing, snow, like beautiful primary colors, outfits, you know, so... That's pretty much why I signed up for this one. It was just like, oh, Robert Redford. Gotta get a ski movie in there. And beautiful clothes and primary colors. Yeah. Wait, as you described it, I realized I think I've actually seen this movie. Yeah. (laughs) Enjoyable. My first one is Goon from 2011, directed by Michael Dowsey. Dows? Sure. He's Canadian. (laughs) Uh, The same director did It's All Gone, Pete Tong, which is about the rave DJ who goes deaf. <laughs> Obviously. Real, it's a real what? departure. Okay, I've never seen it. Uh, so this is a hockey movie. Stay with mm. me, non-sports oh, no, I'm, I'm into it. Uh, Slapshot is Ooh. canonically the great hockey movie, mm. and it stars our movie mm. history boyfriend, yeah. Paul Newman. But I think this movie gives it a run for its money. There's a combination of human interest and comedy Starring Sean William Scott. Stay with me. Stay with me. He really does a great job playing this sweet, not a genius guy from Mass who becomes an enforcer for a minor league hockey team. And if you don't know, enforcers are the guys who mix it up on the ice. Basically, their unofficial job is to deter violent behavior that comes from the opposing team towards their stars. So they protect the stars. I didn't. Okay. Fighting is a complicated gentleman's sort of agreement <laughs> in hockey so yeah. enforcers fit into that and it's based on a memoir of an actual guy okay. so there's a real life element so and he's like the rodeo clown of hockey kind <laughs> of yeah, you're just distracting the bull okay. but it's like two bulls okay, okay. yeah okay. they're usually so really the... beefy guys okay. that their job is to they get they spend a lot of time in the penalty box but okay. their job is to protect the stars that are really great otherwise okay. Lev Schreiber. Schreiber? I never know how to say it. I think it's Lev. Kiev. Yeah, Lev Schreiber plays his mentor, who's a really beat-up older enforcer. And it's just a very um, moving 
moving human interest story considering that it's very violent i will say it is very violent it centers on hockey violence but once you kind of know the landscape that it's occurring in you can realize that it's agreed upon violence consensual violence in a way and i love it because i think a lot of people who are not into sports tend to think of the archetype of the goon jock who's just a meathead and a jerk but in 2018, all the nerds turns out to be incels and techno-fascists. <laughs> and athletes have turned out to be humanitarians and yeah. heroes. So I think, the script. I think Goon is, is indicating to us there's something deeper there. Okay. Yeah, James loves that movie, so he'll be really excited that you mentioned it. Hi, James. <laughs> hey. So... Dead Mountaineers Hotel. Okay. okay. Instead of all of that, okay. it's just like, we're going to, from Mass to Estonia. Okay. Um, so Dead Mountaineers Hotel, 1979. Um, let's see. What is this director's name? Grigory Kromanov. So it's like Romanov. It's almost like the off-brand of Romanov. Yeah, it's like, it's um, Kromanov. Poor Estonia. Always yeah. the bridesmaid. Aww, um, I don't know anything about Estonian cinema, but um, this movie is just... Gorgeous. I just, it's one of my personal faves. So basically, like a police inspector goes to a creepy hotel in the mountains uh, during like an avalanche. I think he's investigating. Who knows? He's investigating something. And then all the people that are staying at the hotel are just, I mean, dressed gorgeous outfits. And uh, it's like, are they aliens? Uh, Are there robots in the mix? Kind of thing, you know? Um, So it's basically like, uh, Fossbender meets Lynch. As far as just like kooky things are happening, yeah, people are gorgeous. Eerie. I don't really know what's going on. It doesn't matter. So it's just like more like eye candy, but it's delightful. I love me some winter yeah. eye candy. It's one of my faves. Rarely get a chance to see Estonian fashion. I know. I I couldn't know less about Estonia. So anyway, it's yeah, uh, probably not a good indication of the, you know, the country. How about you? What's next? So n- nearby geographically... Mm-hmm. Uh, my next one is Rare Exports, oh, which yeah. probably you're familiar with. A lot of people mm-hmm. are familiar with, but 2010, it's a Finnish movie. The oh. full title is Rare Exports, A Christmas Tale, and it's a Finnish fantasy horror Christmas movie. Ooh. It's basically the thing, but Christmas. <laughs> and it takes place in the mountains uh, in Lapland, and it's about people discovering the truth behind the Scandinavian Santa Claus figure, the Jul- Jolupuki? Feel free to write in and correct me, which means Yule Goat, and is kind of a Krampus adjacent figure who's (laughs) like scared with chains and and, and carries off naughty children. Uh, So it's a dark comedy, but it's got some pretty scary, scary, uh, the scariest elves you could possibly imagine. Hmm. So if you like, you know, Dead Snow or Let the Right One In, this is in that sort of genre. I want to see Dead Snow. I haven't seen that yet. Um, it was one of those, like, should I watch that to see if it should be in this list, right, yeah. but I didn't have time. Um, so I was also thinking about, okay, you're home for the holidays, you're with your your parents, or you're G-Pon, G-Mon, I don't know, whatever, mm-hmm. and so you gotta have something that you're like, you can watch with them, mm-hmm. um, so they're not watching Fox News or whatever. So, oh. uh, so I was like, oh, this is fun for the whole family. Fishing with John, 1991, so it's like a series that John Laurie, the musician and like constant like Jarmish uh, collaborator uh, created. I, I should have looked at more of the story. Like, I don't know if it aired on like HBO if like, I don't know what it's like, cause it's a series and they're about six episodes. And so he basically goes fishing with friends of his. So like Jarmish is an episode. Um, Matt Dillon. Uh, is it ice else. fishing? Yeah. Like, okay. So that's why I was like, okay, 
bear with me because there's only one episode where they're ice fishing, but I was like, well, it's cute. It's, again, it kind of falls under the watch it during the holidays. Right. It's okay. cute gotcha. with family. But there is one ice fishing one. So the one with ice fishing is with Willem Dafoe, and they're in Maine. And yeah, it's just delightful because Willem Dafoe is Willem just Dafoe a, tre- is a treasure. Ice fishing in Maine, that is. Yeah. So it is. That's a guaranteed hit right there. And the theme song, I'm assuming written by John Lurie, is like so addictive. It'll just like, I mean, James and I will just like sing it spontaneously sometimes. It's like the cutest, best little theme song. And I won't sing it. You have to watch it to, okay. yeah, to hear it. The last time that I was at the Toronto airport, there they had a big exhibition of photos of ice fishing huts from across Canada. It was very cute oh and very Canadian. Just like every province represented with their little oh. ice fishing huts. It was really sweet. And you know where my mind is going is Fraser. that episode where uh, that's actually okay. one of the best. That's actually one of the... the yeah, we have to do top, a list of top, top yeah, four. Oh, it's coming Fraser for sure. Episodes. Yeah. Keep it just like the top 50 or something. Yeah. yeah. My next one, speaking of a place where there's a lot of ice fishing, it takes place in Minnesota. Kumiko, the Treasure Hunter, Mm. 2014 film by David Zellner, who is an Austin-based director. I think he's pretty involved in mumblecore films. He's at least appeared in a few, like Mm. Beeswax, which is a personal Mm. favorite of mine. Mm. And the actor is Rinko Kikuchi. Oh, she was in Pacific Rim and Norwegian Wood adaptation of Murakami novel, and she plays Kamiko, who is an office assistant in Tokyo with a really that classically drab, depressing life, who finds a VHS copy of Fargo in a sea cave, and then becomes convinced that it's actually been placed there for her as a treasure map to find um, the treasure that Steve Buscemi's character hid in Fargo. Yeah. And I learned that it's based on an urban legend around a real Japanese office worker whose yeah. body was found in Ooh. Minnesota in the snow. Yeah. Um, so this is, it's aware, it's aware of that. It's mm-hmm. spinning it as though the urban legend is true. Mm. She has a bit of a total breakdown. I know you don't love breakdown movies, <laughs> but she heads to Minnesota <laughs> to find the treasure. And it's not really an homage to Fargo, but I think it's an interesting addition like a spiritual sequel kind like of a it's interesting yeah mm-hmm. it's kind of an appendage to yeah. to fargo okay so the next one you're still at your uh parents house your grandparents okay. house your grandpa loves westerns and you're like snooze o'clock um so mix <laughs> stay with me it's a western or oh, actually no. maybe you just take a quick like 90 second nap while i'm talking about it yeah um so track of the cat 1954 by william wellman so he um did the original stars born in 1937 okay. and this other really classic western um the oxbow incident which is really good um so it's a western but it's more of a the kind of western that's like man versus nature mm-hmm. than it is like black hats and white hats or whatever okay. Um, so Robert Mitchum is basically just like a dick and he's like, <laughs> I, I, I really, I didn't rewatch it. So I was just trying to watch a few clips to kind of yeah, like, like remind, remember, but, but there's just so much snow. So basically I just remember that. Like, um, so I think there's like, it's called track of the cat because there's like, I don't know, a panther or some sort of big cat. Ooh. Um, and it's like, I don't know, killing their cattle or something. Yeah. So it's just one of those where it's like, if you want snow, and beautiful vistas and a man dying in the snow. I mean, you got it all. Yeah. A good I love one to the, watch with your gramps yeah, <laughs> over the holidays. Grandparent-friendly content. Yeah, yeah. So we all need like, more of oh, that. Robert Mitchell, who's an up-and-coming star? <laughs> I don't know. Well, you know I could not do a winter movie roundup without bringing in some Soviet films. <laughs> yeah. So I limited myself to one. <laughs> uh, my friend Yvonne Lapshin 
1989 by Alexei German. So German directed a number of Perestroika films, or at least films that were released during the Perestroika era under Gorbachev. Uh, so this film is centered on the recollections of a man who was about nine years old in 1935, living in a communal apartment with his dad and a local policeman, Ivan Lapshin, and some others in this provincial town, very snowy, in the middle of nowhere, mm. right before the Stalinist terror starts. Okay. So there's a few subplots. There's an acting troupe that comes to town to put on a play that's kind of going off the rails. Uh, Yvonne Lopshin investigates a criminal gang. There's an unrequited love plotline. But mostly it's just about ordinary people living in this provincial town in the socialist building era, right before things really get dark and horrible. So there's engineers and actors and writers, all people who would fare really, really poorly under Stalin's purges. Mm -hmm. It's definitely written um, for an audience that knows, that is watching this knowing it's 1935 and realizes things are about to just be terrible. Mm -hmm. All the action of this film takes place before that, but it does lend it this poignancy that colors the film. And it's, I think an important bit of information is that German's father was Yuri German, and Ivan Lapshin was a character in Yuri German's novels. This film revisits that character, but really revises and challenges the history that his father's novel was advancing. So it's a really interesting end of Soviet Union, really uh-huh. facing the Stalinist terrors for the yeah. first time. And it's really very similar to a Chekhov play where mm. there's a little bit of absurdity and humor and it's very gentle towards its characters. Uh-huh. It's great. It's a great, great end of Soviet era. I was going to say, there's nothing more wintry than a bleak (laughs) Russian film. The frozen steppes. People are bundled. There are fur hats everywhere. (laughs) I was, uh, yesterday I was like trying to watch a lot of wintry movies to see like, oh, there's got to be some little hidden gem. And I found one. (gasps) Uh, Perfect title. Dead of Winter. Oh, yeah. Uh, 1987 by Arthur Penn, who did, like, Bonnie and Clyde and directed that and then directed one of my personal faves, Night Moves, which I'm sure I'll talk about Mm -hmm. later. Um, So, okay. Mary Steenburgen uh, is an actress, and she goes on an audition, or she kind of, like, it's sort of like the part two of an interview sort of thing. Like, you get a call back, you know? Um, So they're like, yeah, like, come to this creepy old house. And... um, (laughs) an audition for this role and then you find out that there's no role of course. you know like and there's so there's like there's doppelgangers but not just one Ooh. there's two it's a doppelgangbang wow um so yeah she plays well she really only plays two parts but whatever there's yeah three mary steenburgen lookalikes or whatever so it's like um as far as winter it's like yeah she's snowed in so there's like gothic horror like i'm in a house where someone's trying to kill me the whole i love gothic horror movies and they're like Drink this. It'll relax you. Oh, and then I know. you're like, bitch, don't drink that. Don't drink, drink that no. hot chocolate. And it's delicious. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, Dead of Winter. If Dead you just want, winter. like, Mary Steenburgen. Kind of a psychological. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty goofy. It is a very um, TV movie kind of okay. vibe. Like, again, like, I always feel like Canadian TV. Like, I don't mean that as a you know, put down, but I'm just like that sort of, like, I don't they know, really support their off. own. Yeah, yeah. They just support their own film industry little. very much. Yeah. But it's a fun watch. It's totally a fun winter watch. And that's one for your mom. So you got the Western for your dad, yeah. and you got this one for your mom. It's like, you know. Oh, yeah. What my mom loves her some Mary Steenburgen. Yeah, so. yeah. Mine is also filmed in Canada. Oh. I did not think we could 
go through winter films without talking about The Brood, which is like one of the scariest, <laughs> next to next to The Thing, one of the scariest snow movies uh, to me. So 1979, Cronenberg, sci-fi body horror at its best. <laughs> the gist of the plot, if you don't know, is the protagonist is trying to figure out what the hell happened with his wife who was being treated by this psychiatrist, this wackadoo psychiatrist <laughs> at this institute where they believe you have to have physical manifestations of whatever your psychological issues are. Mm-hmm. So as you can imagine, there's a very scary titular brood that still scares me to ponder. Uh, and at the time, I guess people really wrote it off as this very exploitation movie and really said that Cronenberg was digging into the nastiness. <laughs> but I think now people realize that there's more there. It's an interesting interesting psychological movie because as I learned that he declared it to be he declared the brood to be his own take on Kramer versus Kramer what? yeah he'd been going through a really nasty Hold divorce phone no. yeah he'd been going through a really nasty divorce and a custody battle see that's I knew that so I was like is this misogyny or something but no yeah. he's just working through his feelings he's working through his feelings okay. and he was like I'm gonna make a divorce movie it's called <laughs> the brood oh it's called divorce dance which is so funny to me that you know women directors have to be so worried about being seen as hysterical or crazy and <laughs> yeah. David Gordon Murray's like yeah. Have you been through a divorce? <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Here are my horrible, horrible, terrifying offspring who were played. Yeah. So it was filmed in Canada, and because the Canadian government funded it, you had to have a certain number of cast and crew who were Canadian because oh, they're yeah, very interested in that. supporting mm-hmm. their own industry. Mm-hmm. And he had a really hard time finding actors to play the brew that were the right size. So he ended up using <laughs> okay. a group of seven-year-old girls who were gymnasts from a school in Ontario to play the titular brood. Oh. And I guess they were all very sad that it was R-rated and they could not see themselves oh, no. in those scary little coats. Oh. It kind of has a Don't Look Now vibe okay. with the little, uh, like with the coats. Scary small, children small thing in, in, coats. Co- in red coats. And just taken yeah. to a crazy extreme on a frozen Canadian landscape. So this time we're going to do Pitch Generator, but we're going to do something a little different. We're going to mix it up. Yeah. We're going to do Chit We're going to go low, as low as we can yeah. go. Yeah. It's like, so, so we're going to pitch the, what, the worst movie we can think of, and not like categorically the worst, more of like, I've got personal beef. Yes. I'm going to take that beef to the streets. So I'm leading this time. Okay. Yes. Give, so, me, give okay, me what you got. You know me, and I hate drug movies. I hate mm-hmm. gritty British Movies about people being on drugs or people selling drugs. I think it is just like shorthand for like, we need conflict. And people will love looking at this for two hours. I hate it so I much. I'm being angry. My blood's you. boiling right now. So basically, just like a movie about like, like I was trying to think of some example because there's so many different kinds of drug movies. But like, I never watched this movie. Was it Spun or whatever? Oh, just yeah. Just like, like, a, like a kid's, like a, yeah. a Spun, like a basically just... I don't know, just people on drugs. And then there's like a drug deal. Skinny white guys with bleach hair and some kind of jewelry. And and some just like girlfriend that's just like, she doesn't matter apparently. You know, it's like, who cares about what, you know, she has to say. So, hey, it's starring or at least maybe some stunt casting with uh, Tom Hardy. So either he's like the main, I'm not seeing him as maybe the main guy, but maybe he's like the stunt casting of like the drug dealer, you know, that they go to like somewhere in the middle end of the movie. I just, I don't have... 
I don't know if I have a problem with Tom Hardy. I just don't care about him. And I feel like he's been put in so many things. I don't know. I'm just like, I'm exhausted I, by oh, him. I love him. Really? Well, not his acting, uh, but in terms of looking at him. Really? I just oh, feel like yeah. he's just like. He's a hunk. Give me that hunk. He, I guess. So I my know. actor is, okay. I okay, actually let's... do hate because I similarly think he's in everything and I yeah. think he sucks. Okay, okay. You know that I hate this person. Okay. Army Hammer. I hate him. Stop we trying to make him two happen. beefcakes? We have two dumb movie. beefcakes. Well, two dumb beefcakes. <laughs> so we've got, we've got beef. the title. Wait, wait, wait. I'm trying to think if there's something there with like, we've got beef. And we got, we've got, we've got beefcakes. We've got, got beef the beef. beefcakes. Beefcakes. Okay. <laughs> beefcakes is a euphemism for the drugs, but also oh, it's like it's, a couple okay. of dumb... Okay, it's called beefcake. Yeah. Because we got beef with it. Okay. Yeah, beefcake. It. All right. And the trope <laughs> that I have that's a trope that I hate is okay. the, I don't have time to explain it, but you've got to trust me on this oh, trope. It's like, it'll take two seconds. Yes. And as a planner, <sighs> I as a planner, as a, I'd be like, we're broken up then. Yeah. Unsubscribe. Bye. I just need you to give me an overview. And usually when someone says that, I mean, should not, I bring a jacket? Exactly. I mean, like, what are, are we doing with this? And do I trust you? Especially with these beefcakes. I'm like, I'm not trusting you, that beef. Give me an outline and maybe we can punch <laughs> it up a little bit. Maybe I can workshop I it. I mean, can I? So I have nothing to say. Like, I have no, yeah. like. And like you said, this, you know, usually in a movie, it's when there's. Really, plenty of time to at least give you give me a give me a brief just five point plan. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a drug movie okay. with Tom Hardy, Army Hammer. So wait, I'm trying to think: is Army Hammer the lead? That if Tom Hardy are they both working now? They're they're both like the same age. I was expecting you to be like some I don't know what some younger dude or something. And so I was like, okay, he'll be the guy on drugs. But I'm like, they're too they're too old to be on drugs. <laughs> no one in their thirties is on they're drugs. Adults. Um, well, maybe it needs to be young Tom Hardy. You know, early twenties. Have you seen so the pictures? The, his selfies okay. from MySpace time, where he really does look like the guy you're talking about. Ooh, with you know the what picture. would make it more annoying if it was like Army Hammer, but he's suffering from like affluenza. <gasps> he's like a pretty boy. Army he's Hammer. on the rowing team, he's which is literally crew. him, like in real yeah, life. Right? So he's definitely. So he's got some annoying drug addiction. He he's does. like, yeah, and he's like goes to Tom and Hardy. Tom Hardy He's his dealer. He's like his dealer. Okay. So it's like two so annoying white beefcakes. Yeah. One is affluent. One's, you know, from Camden or something. Yeah. Oh, wait, maybe Army Hammer. I'm guessing he's like really American, right? Yeah. Or is he Australian or some shit No, like he's, that. Okay. he's just really rich. He's okay. American he's rich. He's so rich that he's just got a There's British a accent. There's level of rich people. Well, I was going to say he's on like, holi- not holiday. Well, oh, maybe yeah. holiday would be more annoying. It's just like some sort of internship. Actually, he's really old, he's, isn't he? I don't know why I'm acting like he's 20 he's, years old. He is old. He's on his gap year. He's a year. visiting fellow at a, okay, at a think okay, tank. Okay. Mm, who's, okay. you know, like all those conservatives are. They're secretly all cokeheads. Okay. That's uh-huh. kind of what we've got going on. Yeah. They have to go on some kind of drug caper where they owe a lot of money. See, that actually sounds too interesting. I think you're making it sound too but good. But you've just got to trust me. It's our natural inclination. We're making it too good. Are we we're making, making it too, too movie good. we want to see? Damn it. Mm. What's something more annoying? We're just too We've got to have, like, a woman that has, like, no, like, oh, say in the matter. Be... Like, she's no personality. Yeah, okay? just, like, a throwaway. This away. is, again, this, if you're just skipping to this portion, this is a shit movie, okay? We, we don't, don't want this. We don't want, we're, we we're, don't. We're, we're making it too good. Yeah, we're, uh, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, actually, and, yeah, we got a movie with two white dudes but, and then, like, a, a faceless, na- a woman with no yeah, agency. A two-dimensional okay, woman two-dimensional character woman. Let's think it, put it for me. Okay, that's enough, actually. That's enough. Just, like, two white guys on drugs. Trust me. 
a woman with no agency. Okay. Who has to just go along for the ride. Beefcake. Yeah. I don't know what the actual point of the movie, and it doesn't matter. It will like, definitely have, like, oh, it's fine. Yeah, it'll be made. Beef in that to, yeah. It'll be made, and it'll get 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that sounds like coming soon, and we'll, we'll probably yeah. see it, because now we've punched it up. it's probably being made right now. Yeah. It's probably, probably a post. We are going to divulge mm. our true character crushes, and it really should be someone where the actor you don't really, you never noticed or didn't really think of in that way until they played this mm. character. So it's really specific to the character. Yeah. So who is your character crush? Okay, so at first I was like, oh, this is kind of hard, and then I finally, like, I started doing some research, and there's, like, so many you can talk about, so I'll save okay. them. For, we'll this save will them. be an ongoing be segment. Okay. Yeah. So someone that I will say I do have a crush on the actor now, but I think is because of this role. Okay, so no one's gonna know who I'm talking about, but Fred Ward, who is okay. No idea. Um, okay, well, so you know the Fred Ward, the actor, and you can Google him or whatever. He was in uh, Tremors. He was like the other okay. dude. He was not Kevin Bacon in the okay. Tremors, and so he's kind of playing like a dumb. I don't know, not really country, but just like a dumb guy. I don't know, a dumb construction worker type guy. Okay. So, um, and he was like the dad in like Road Trip or something. He hasn't been in that many huge things. Okay, his role as Henry Miller, the writer Henry Miller in... Henry and June. Okay. Like, that's the title, oh, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, I've seen that movie. I've and which is funny because he has a, a lush head of hair. He's a salt yeah. and pepper. Just, Ooh, just yeah. really like a kind of a chiseled jaw. I mean, like really a hunk. I think. Yeah. He's, I mean, now I have no idea how old he is and if he's in movies still, whatever. It's the but character. In the eighties, yeah. nineties, I think he's like a like an older like kind he's of a, a salt and pepper hunk. You know. Okay. So, um, put, put some salt and pepper on that beefcake. You know. <laughs> So, yeah, but it's funny because this Henry Miller, he's, like, bald. He got glasses and all that, which, I mean, no shame there. I'm just saying it's funny because that's when I, like, I was like, ooh, I'm falling in love ooh, now. Yeah. So it's just because, I don't know, I, it's been a minute since since I've seen the movie, so if it's problematic, I'm sorry. But I just remember him, like, at one point, sorry, he's like, I want to show you things, teach you things, like, humiliate you a minute. And I'm like, normally I'd be like, uh-oh, but when you're into it, you're like, okay, I'm all right, I'm, I'm actually, just yeah, let's go ahead. Lay it on me. <laughs> humiliate me, which is like, I'm like, that's so problematic, but uh, okay. Hey, man. Go ahead. Hey, you know, in the heat of the moment. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, Henry, no I mean, shaming, you know, you know, know we've no read Tropic of Cancer. We know. Ew. He knows some, he knows so, some stuff. Uh, I can get I'm going to flush yeah. right here. Ooh. Nothing. Ooh, thinking about well, it. Give my smell and salt. I've got the vapors. <laughs> Mine will probably cool you right down. Okay, this, no, is, I, this is inexplicable. <laughs> it's inexplicable even to me. Okay. Oh, oh my um, God. I don't want to hear it. So, I love this show, and I think this is why I love this character. Stephen Toast from oh. Toast of London. Yeah. Played by Matt Berry, who's been in Garth Murray's Dark Place, Snuffbox, probably most known for playing Douglas Renham on IT Crowd, mm-hmm. the clueless boss. But Toast of London is the rare show where I actually delight in the musical <laughs> interludes yeah. because it's Stephen Toast. Yeah. So somehow Matt Berry never really, I've always enjoyed his acting, but never really had a crush until you just slap him in like a Ooh. too tight black so shirt and then pepper. put the white Ooh, streak like a peppy <laughs> 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 and those like square glasses. 
Oh, just that give him one a shot. Okay, sorry. Just that one shot in the opening credits where he's like in a black t-shirt. And he's like holding a script. Oh. He's got glasses. And I was like, hello. I was looking at, I was looking at photos Ooh. before this. And I was like, yep, still. I don't know if he's a zaddy, but I'm going to make the case. <laughs> <laughs> Move over, Jeff Goldblum. Stephen Toast is on the scene. Mm. And I think maybe what's so appealing about him, I usually go for very, and my husband is this type of very... You know, salt and pepper. Well, that's true. <laughs> Actually, he is salt and pepper, but yeah. usually it's a very well-read person who's very thoughtful mm-hmm. and challenges me intellectually. And Stephen Toast is the opposite of that. He's <laughs> yeah. truly one of God's idiots. Yeah, and is so pompous about it. But yeah. there's something so charming about Ooh. him, and I kind of feel like that's the appeal is that like you could really take intellectual control in a dynamic with yeah. Stephen Toast. Yeah. I mean, he goes out in he that does. show. I know, it's funny because like, yeah, don't think about that part. Him he's actually really having... bad at sex yeah. in the show, but <laughs> I'm like, face. but then you could just tell him what to do. He's so yeah, dumb. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I think I there's... fully agree, actually. I think he's really sexy. <laughs> I like it. It's basically, there's a, a musical interlude in, the, in series one where he's he has the thing for women in uniform and he's looking at all the pictures. <laughs> yeah. That's basically me looking at pictures of Stephen yeah, Toast. like, on Google. A little salute. Salute to you, Stephen Toast. I can't. I think they're bringing it back, so there's going to be another series. <gasps> what? I okay. know. We're going to have to stop right now. Anticipation okay. I'm so excited. Well, we've gotten ourselves all worked up, so I think this is a good point to take take our leave. You can keep up with us on Instagram at Storyboard Podcast or on Twitter at Storyboard Pod. You can send us your own character crushes at storyboardpod at gmail.com and let us know if we can mention you in a, in a future edition of Character Crush. And your fetish. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Depends mm. how... I know, we're really soliciting a lot of fanfic <laughs> yeah. here. And, of course, if you like what you hear, you can leave us a rating and a review, and you can subscribe to keep up with us. I will drop all these links in the episode notes. Until next time. No, I was just, I was like making, I was like, don't say snow piercer. Don't, no. Oh, I was just, oh boy. That, that's a real, ooh, that's ooh. a, I'd give that one a Razzie. Okay. Oh my God, I hate snow really? piercer. Oh, I can't even remember. I mean, was, like, yeah, okay, it's fine. It's fine. Know. We can see. There's lots of snow. There's hell of snow. There's, you want a snowy train. I just think the moment that's very soilent green <laughs> style is very ridiculous. And I really oh, can't get past that. the bars of the Babies. There's babies. Oh, I was just thinking about how there's like bugs in their little black jello. The baby arms? Whatever. I want to do it. Baby arms. I'm trying to remember. It was just funny because he was like, this is, I'm probably. Oh, wait, wait, the babies that are like making the train go? No, no. He's, he's horrified by the little bars of insect goo. Yeah. But then but he, he ate reveals like, that he ate babies. <laughs> but somehow, I'm just like, you've already, like, already gone to cannibalism. He's like, I literally ate a baby. Ate a baby. <laughs> and somehow the bugs are gross. But it's like, you've already, uh, you've already crossed that boundary. The bugs are more upsetting than eating a just, baby. Sorry. <laughs> like, I really can't get over there. that. <laughs> okay. I forgot about that. All oh. right.